You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 99th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for more than 23 years. I'm Jacques Poulet, and Jennifer Borel, my usual conversation partner, is not with us today. Today I'm talking with José Ramos, a friend, colleague, and co-activist with whom I've had the great pleasure of collaborating, conversing, and learning. Uh, for meanwhile, over 20 years. Welcome, Jose. Yeah, it's great to be here, Jacques. Thanks so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Think again, listeners, on Fridays and via our meanwhile long list of almost 100 podcasts on 3CR, they will have an idea of what some of our regular and central themes are. We often reflect on what's happening in the political and economic domains of our society and the world, basically, inspired by ideas which led to the foundation of Borderlands 23 years ago. And that are, they are sort of social and ecological justice, respect for people and their knowledge, welfare, well-being and health, particularly during our COVID-related conversations in 2020. Borderlands is deeply interested in community, in cooperatives, in localization and ecological responsibility, and how to promote and create living conditions that are mutually beneficial for all, including for the non-human species and for the relationships on which our continued existence depends. That obviously makes us being critical of much that is going on in the political and economic shenanigans in Australia and across the world. And it makes us look at possible and doable alternatives. In the last few months, we have been interviewing people involved in creating alternative living conditions and relationships. Remember last year, November's interview about Bendigo's Beehive and a few weeks ago about strengthening local people's voice in local politics in central Victoria. As well, commons, cooperatives, and the need for localization and for a deeper realization of the relational nature of our existence have always resonated through whatever we talked about. Hence my invitation to José Ramos, whom I have been walking alongside for almost a quarter century now, and who has been deeply involved in developing practices and imaginations around possible alternative futures for people and for the earth. Welcome again to the program, Jose. Could you share with listeners a bit of your background? You are a continent hopper just like me, and the kinds of things that you have studied and how you eventually got immersed in your evolving approach to changing the world towards becoming a better place. Absolutely, yeah. So I think probably the first thing that I can say is I'm a I'm the I'm the child of immigrants. 
um, you know, my both my parents um, uh, emigrated from Mexico into the United States, and so at a very early age, I was uh, bicultural. Uh, my first language is Spanish, and um, and I really, I really, uh, you know, kind of uh, grew up with the feeling of being something slightly different than the dominant culture. Growing up in California in the 1970s was a time of counterculture, and my parents were part of the civil rights movements and counterculture movements, everything from marches on the street for uh, black and Chicano rights to, you know, doing yoga classes with um, La Fraternidad Universal, um, which was the Mexican yoga center in East L.A., so, um, you know, from a very early age, I, I really got a deep taste of, um, of, of, of this kind of biculturality, both being an indigenous person, being Mexican, um, but also uh, part of this uh, more dominant um, American culture. So, uh, but not long after, uh, you know, um, uh, living in the United States, at the age of 24, I started traveling. I lived in uh, Japan, Taiwan. Um, Spain and, and a few other places. And that's where I met my wife and she brought me to uh, Melbourne, Australia. So I've been in Australia for the last 20 years. And um, here, as you know, Jacques, you were my PhD supervisor and, mm. uh, you know, did, uh, did work on, on, on alternative globalizations in the World Social Forum. And, um, and you know, just I feel very much as uh, both a global citizen and a citizen of, of Australia and the United States and and other places that I've I've mm. been to, yeah. Mm. Oh, great! So it's almost like a global brotherhood of uh, of modern nomads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about future studies, or as you refer to them, anticipatory experimentation. What do future studies as anticipatory experimentation entail, and how do you go about this? Yeah, so future studies is a field that's been um, in existence for about 70 years. And uh, it's a, quite a broad field. It covers everything from ethnographic studies of the future, meaning uh, we study how people view the future. Um, we study people's images of the future and also why they have that image of the future. You know, why did people have an image of an industrialized future as a utopian future, which, which has now created a disaster? Right. So mm -hmm. um, at the same time, we study uh, alternative images of the future and uh, and we study probable possible uh, um, and and also probable futures and preferable futures. You know, we 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 really are interested in that. So there's lots of different areas from organizational application of foresight all the way to um, really about uh, transformations in human um and humans' relationship to each other and the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the real profound stuff really has to do with uh, the crises that we're going through and the changes that, that we need to make. Um, mm -hmm. Anticipatory experimentation is, is really uh, an outgrowth of action research and the future studies, a combination of the two. And, and really all it is, is is thinking about how we bring the future into the present through experiments that can scale for impact. So, you know, we can't create uh, uh, an alternative future all in one shot. Uh, when that's been tried, it usually doesn't go very well. You know, you had Mao Zedong's uh, Great Leap Forward, 
didn't go so well. You know, you had the, the uh, Stalinist, you know, collectivization didn't go so well. Um, and even the whole scale industrialization of society that we saw in the United States and Western Europe, so much pain. So the idea with anticipatory experimentation is that let's bring the preferred future into the present through an experiment. Let's imagine the preferred future that we have, and then let's find an experiment that expresses that preferred future. And then we learn from that experiment. Uh, we, we can discard the experiment. We can build on the experiment. We can even scale the experiment. And this is what organizations like BRAC in Bangladesh do when they do lots of action research projects and they find those, those experiments that are working well, that are helping people out of rural poverty, helping with uh, literacy, uh, with women's empowerment. And then they go, okay, well, that experiment's working. How do we then scale this up? So it's very much centered around action research methodology, but it has an, uh, a futures and anticipatory kind of uh, lens to it. Mm. That sounds really interesting, and uh, particularly because of the fact that I also, or Borderlands also belongs to the action research tradition, I would call it. Uh, that's certainly something to start thinking a little bit more about. And to let it settle a bit, let's have some music. The Depth of Blue by Willebrand. And that will be followed by a promo.
Join me at your cry with Ubuntu Voices. Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free, one of us is chained, none of us are free. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today I'm talking with Jose Ramos, a friend and colleague who has been involved in local and global social and ecological change for a long time. So, Jose, as I was involved in your thesis and research, I know that your thesis was also very much based on experiences you gathered at a few world social forums. Could you talk a bit about those and how they started at Porto Alegre in Brazil and what the main ideas behind these forums were? Do they still resonate somehow and somewhere? And what traces are still existing in social and ecological movements and in your present activities as you just described them? Absolutely. Um, Well, I mean, the World Social Forums were hugely influential for me and many other people, really kind of life-changing experiences. Um, basically, what they emerged from was um, there was a protest cycle in the 80s and 90s in the Global South, and then that emerged in the North against uh, neoliberal structural adjustment programs that were being pushed by the World Bank and the IMF. Those, world, those structural adjustment programs were uh, essentially reorienting economies around the world in the Global South towards commodity export. Um, they were displacing millions of people. They were wrecking ecologies, wrecking forests, uh, and they were um, creating uh, inequality. Um, I know that's very blunt, and there was many, many nuances within that, but that's kind of the general sort of uh, critique. Um, and so you had a huge uh, uh, protest cycle that emerged. And, and, and then around 2000, uh, or just before then, people were saying, well, well, we need to articulate what we're for. We can't just say we're against globalization. We have to actually say, uh, what do we stand for? And um, and then there was also the, the Davos World Economic Forum, which was really the forum for the billionaires and for the big corporations. They already had their platform to uh, to plan their their next um, you know sort of uh, shenanigans, as you say, Jacques. And um, uh, and so there really was this need to have a, a platform for the, the global movements for change to come together to talk about what they uh, were, their analysis, their diagnosis, their visions for the future, and to work together to find modes of collaborating. So in 2001, you had the first World Social Forum in Porto Alegre, which I think only had 15 or 20,000 people. Um, and then they did another one, and it ended up being much bigger. And these became huge events that brought together social movements, people, um, 
theorists, um, you know, uh, journalists of every variety that really converge around the question of uh, what do we, what kind of future do we want? Um, you know, what is this alternative globalization that we want to stand for? And the mm. motto was um, uh, another world is possible, you know, mm. otro mundo es posible. Mm. And, um, and that was the kind of uh, uh, galvanizing, um, uh, I, I don't want to use the word battle, but it was kind of like a battle cry. It was like a, you know, we can create this other world. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what does that actually mean? And that mm -hmm. kicked off um, uh, more than a decade of, of this deep conversation and deep connecting. And I was part of the, the, the forums in Mumbai. And that was deeply influential on my thinking. Um, I got to see, for example, untouchability um, and the issues of untouchability. People in Japan who are untouchables in Japan connecting with untouchables in India and those in Africa. So, you, mm. you know, really crossing the boundary and also how the Dalit and the indigenous people um, are being affected by globalization. So it really, mm. it really connected things. Yeah. So you saw things with a different frame. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that has brought us obviously to the work you are involved in at present, uh, the peer-to-peer -peer and commons approach, uh, intending to create alternative societies and different futures, as we started with. And the idea then also finally of cosmo-localization. So let's start a bit with the idea of the commons. Could you sit, elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, the way that I define commons is um, that which we mutually depend on for our survival and well-being. But it's not just that. It's such that we have to collectively govern and protect and manage those things that we mutually depend on for our survival and well-being. And when we think about these things, uh, there are so many of them. So, you know, one is that we need safe water. Uh, drinking water. Another is that we need healthy air to breathe. Um, we also need uh, a, a health system that protects the vulnerable. But there are a lot of things in that category, those things that we mutually depend on for our survival and well-being, that have moved from a taken-for-granted issue into something that we have to now think about. They become explicitly commons. So, for example, uh, a safe climate. You know, 100 years ago, no one thought that was something that we mutually depended on for our survival and well-being. We always took that for granted. Um, now we're in a place where uh, that's actually being taken away. So what does that mm -hmm. mean? Well, that means we have to actively manage, protect, and govern it for our, for our collective well-being. So this movement from understanding the commons we're implicated in forces us then into an act of governance, an act of protection, an act of management. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so in some important ways also that requires us to try to anticipate and experiment with possible futures as we started the conversation with. Absolutely. Oh, on that note, we'll go to another promo. 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June, and this year we're asking you to be part of community-powered radio. It's only with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled, and focused on people rather than profits. 
Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. 3CR Community Powered Radio. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view, the people who work in the prison system would have another, and I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the necessary global and local changes we will need to adapt and adopt, sorry, if we and the earth would have a chance to survive. So, Jose, let's turn to the final topic, intimately related to the previous ones, but also having a strong relevance by itself, cosmolocalization. We have often referred to these issues in in our Think Again programs in the past and in our journal, The New Community. So let's hear it from one of those intimately involved in the worldwide attempts to spread this way of thinking and living. What is cosmolocalization and what does it entail? Yeah, so cosmolocalization is a, um, a non-universal um, way of thinking about how we create the world. So one of the pitfalls that we had um, in the last century was this kind of monolithic way of thinking of development um, no. where the experts came down and said, this is how all these economies should run. They should run in a state-managed way, or they should run in a, uh, a capitalistic, deregulated way. Um, and oftentimes, without real connection to context, uh, wrecking havoc because they're not sensitive to the cultural, the political, and the social factors that are uh, present within a, within a particular place. So at the most broad level, cosmolocalization means that um, each, each, um, each region and, and each place has its own uh, autonomy and path to, to discover and to take. But at the same time, we want to enact a cosmos of knowledge and creativity, which means we act in solidarity with each other. So even while other places and locales might be doing something very different, we act in a way which is uh, 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 which has solidarity. And so one way of thinking about that is that uh, there's, a, there's a type of commons that we, what we call a global knowledge commons or a global design commons. 
what that basically is is that today with the internet we have access to many many designs of things many ideas for things or prescriptions we have uh, malaria drugs we have designs for furniture we have designs for hardware and there are just a variety of these and these these can be adapted and used in local and local places for people's um, uh, uh, livelihoods uh, to solve uh, sustainability problems to draw down carbon and the idea is that we liberate knowledge and we create this global knowledge commons that empowers people to solve problems everywhere in their own way um, one example of this is the uh, solar urge project in India uh, where uh, in in the state of um, Maharashtra uh, uh, in connection with the uh, Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay, they created the Solar Lamps Project to get a million, a million solar lamps to rural uh, villagers who were, all, were using kerosene. Kerosene is expensive, it's dangerous, and it's polluting, and it creates a lot of carbon emissions. And the problem is that uh, with, without light, kids can't study at night. Um, you know, the, the lives of rural villagers are diminished. So they, they used open hardware in this project. They brought together open hardware, hardware which is open source, um, to create an ecosystem where, where indigenous people and local people were producing the solar panels, repairing the lamps, and using the lamps, um, uh, and, and essentially switching from kerosene to lamps. And that's an open project. Other people can take that knowledge, and they could apply it to their regions. So there's this kind of implicit solidarity in this thinking that um, that basically is pushing us uh, uh, towards um, using what is open to transform uh, the, the the localities that uh, that we live in and and where the mm -hmm. opportunities lie mm -hmm. so quite different from uh, copyright and ownership and private ownership and competition and all of those kinds of things. My goodness, sounds really exciting. But we did have come to the end of our conversation, dear Jose. It was really good to catch up after quite a while, given COVID, COVID's rude interruptions. And it was great to be able to do that on a radio and share your work and thinking more widely. Thanks so much. And and I'll put some of the relevant electronic and other references on the website. So if you wouldn't mind sending me a couple of those so that they get some spread. As we as I said, we're at the end of our program this week. Uh, we are now Borderlandsis, that means at our new place at 30A in Pickett Street in Footscray. If you want to come and have a look, please let us know when you want to come. We would welcome you absolutely wholeheartedly and invite you to that place which is really a beautiful place the new community i said last week already is not is out with its last uh, issue which is the last of last year and the first of this year and uh, has again 130 pages worth of really important information and we hope that we can gather new material for our next issue on aging and dying in community so thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet, myself, and for this week with José Ramos. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands. 
borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. And we would like to thank Clive Bourne for recording and providing the music. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothu Hindi. I've been-